I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Hello, everybody. Carrie Benedett here from Thriving Matters Conversation, Thrive Studio, really it is. And we're having a conversation with Shahan today. And I'm going to tell you, you are going to be blown away by the conversation we're having about all things thriving. Now, Shahan is going to be our one of our presenters for Global Leaders Thrive in a few weeks' time when we go to Asia. We're in the middle of an eight session program visiting eight countries with 24 speakers and it is an absolute joy and has been a privilege to have met Shahan and be part of his story all about thriving in life and work. It's going to knock your socks off. So hello Shahan, I know you're in Sri Lanka, I'm in Sydney, Australia and it's great to connect today, Saturday. I'm thrilled to be here. So I'm thrilled oh. to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. I it's a it's a huge honor and one of the joys that, um, if I can say, one of the joys that has come out of the pandemic in the last twelve months has been my ability to connect with people around the world. So I'm a big believer in travel for the soul, travel for the values that we have, travel to reflect on our values, beliefs, and assumptions particularly in the way we lead each other and we lead ourselves for our growth, for um, the work that we do, for the passions that we have and the purpose that we, we are setting out to do. So it is, it's an absolute honour. And one of the first things I ask you is, you know, what actually puts a smile on your face um, that gets you out of bed each day? Let's start there. <laughs> Great yeah, question. So uh, for me... Uh, the fact that I get to live my purpose. So my purpose is to be a catalyst for good. I want to transform individuals so that they genuinely benefit society and the world. They contribute to humanity. And that's my purpose, to be a catalyst for good. And the goal that I've set for myself is to reach 1 billion people. That's a peak. <laughs> 1 billion people by the, by 2050. So like, my, my, my friends laugh. Some people giggle when they hear this goal, this larger than life goal. But what I've told them is, you know, it's, it's not meeting 1 billion people individually. It's about creating a positive ripple effect. So if I get to speak to a student who's uh, in the teens, if I get to speak to a CEO who's leading maybe 10,000, 20,000 individuals, it could be even a prisoner or a cancer patient. You know, if I were to transform one individual, it creates a ripple effect. So the fact that I get to do what I was uh, made to do, you know, and it took me a long time to figure out my life's purpose. So that genuinely brings a smile to my face and gives me abundant energy. Uh, so that 
that's what uh, drives me, Kerry. Transforming. So that is a great lead-in because everyone's now saying, "What does he do? What? Where? What's your? What's your, where have you come from? What have you been involved in over the years?" So what is yeah. it that you are you are doing? So a little bit of a, a potted history, perhaps, Shahan, yeah. of, yeah. Of, of that for everybody. Yeah. So I started off my career as a management trainee for a very prominent multinational uh, here in Sri Lanka. And I ended my career as a global brand manager uh, in Singapore, handling some uh, quite a few markets in Asia. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, when I was in Singapore, I was promoted again. And uh, I said, you know what, I don't need the promotion. So I refused the promotion uh, and said, I actually want to come back to Sri Lanka. I feel as if I haven't contributed to Sri Lanka. I believe I haven't given back enough because in Sri Lanka, our education is free. Our healthcare system is free. Um, I am here because of my parents, my grandmother, uh, my mentors, my colleagues, my friends, you know, uh, and I felt I haven't given back. So instead of taking up that promotion, I came back to Sri Lanka, took a 60% pay cut, and I said, I don't actually want to be in marketing. I want to um, give back to society. So maybe CSR, corporate social responsibilities, uh, the way to go. And uh, the organization was very kind to me. And they said, you know what, why don't you come and lead the CSR function? for the same organization. So I basically committed career suicide, according to my friends. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no one in uh, with, with a sane uh, head on their shoulders would ever, you know, move away from a global role, uh, move away from another promotion yeah. to have a cut. So when I came back to Sri Lanka, I, I had the opportunity to work with communities, work with schools, teachers, uh, and um, for... It, it, and some of the issues that I saw in the ground, I had never witnessed as uh, a Sri Lankan. Because in my head, uh, uh, I, I would assume that everyone would have the same childhood I would have. And uh, to see that oh, not everyone has that privilege. So I, I feel I'm extremely lucky to have the parents I've had, to have the education I've had, to have the, the socioeconomic status I have. Um, and I knew, you know, not everyone has that opportunity, but uh, I was still in the corporate space. I still hadn't, you know, taken my leap of faith, so to say. Yeah. So uh, one day at work, uh, a colleague of mine got a call. The caller on the other side was her mother. Uh, her mom basically said, your daughter had fallen down, hit the back of her neck and was bleeding from her nose and ears uh, and was being rushed to the hospital. So my colleague, uh, mum uh, of that child, you know, started crying. And, and for the, the, the very first time in my life, I actually saw the agony of a mother who's about to lose her daughter. And, and that changes, you know. So the whole team rushed to the ICU. Uh, that very day, I was heading back home, driving on the freeway. And uh, I started thinking. You know, as human beings, we start learning from a very young age. We, when we're in preschool, we learn the alphabet. We learn how to count. In school, we learn science, maths. In university, we learn medicine, management, physics, astrophysics. Uh, and when we come to the corporate sector or when we join 
a public institution, they say that's not enough. You have to attend this training, that training. But one fine day, we are bound to meet with a traumatic event, a life-changing event. And when that happens, pretty much what happened to my friend, we seem to be clueless. So we've accumulated <laughs> tools and techniques, knowledge for years, for decades. And those tools and techniques don't seem to help us to cultivate that inner wisdom, to have that inner resilience, uh, to face these challenges. And deep down as human beings, we know we're bound to grow old one day, we're bound to get sick one day, we're bound yeah. to have bad relationships, uh, our, our friends, our relatives are bound to face the same issues that we are bound to face, right? They're bound to get sick, they're bound to die one day. But we don't seem to have accumulated the right knowledge, the right tools. And I was thinking, my gosh, this, this is crazy. Why, why aren't governments doing anything about it? Why aren't nonprofits doing anything about it? And pretty much like any corporate leader, I was looking for a scapegoat. <laughs> and the scapegoat usually is the government. It's it's a nonprofit. It's never blind someone. <laughs> yes. And then I and this little thought bubble came came up in my mind, and it was actually a question. The question was, Sahan, what are you doing about it? And I knew I had to take some action. The following day, I came to work. I wrote my resignation and I handed it in. Uh, I didn't know what to do, but I quit. I quit my role. And uh, looking back, uh, I think four years later, looking back, I was able to create a revolutionary stress management program in the Colombo prison system. I trained about 700 uh, inmates death through life sentence. Um, yeah. I've been able to introduce, uh, 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 I call it unwavering mind, uh, stress management for healing for cancer patients uh, and uh -huh. individuals who suffer from terminal illnesses. I've started uh, to fund my crazy initiatives that I come up with. I've started conducting corporate training programs. I've trained CEOs, managing directors, senior leaders, uh, peace builders in Myanmar. I've trained, I think, close to about 4,000, maybe 5,000, maybe even more. Uh, individuals from over 30 countries. So I specialize in stress management, resilience building, emotional intelligence. I'm a certified trainer <laughs> for Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, the program that originated at Google, which brings together neuroscience, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence into one yeah. platform. Oh. And uh, I've been lucky enough to meet people like you, Harry. So in on resilience within the, the little organization which I formed has people from over 10, 15 countries now. We have scientists, we have doctors, yeah. we have emotional intelligence teachers. So uh, this is my life's purpose, you know. <laughs> um, that, so, that is, when, when you're just describing that, I've just got a song. I've just gone to a song in my head and, and I'm just going to be a little bit brave here and just go, yeah. what the world needs now is love, sweet love, and it's love and care. And these, all the, all the skills that you're talking about are the essential skills that all the research and the data is saying to us, this is what we need, and particularly post-pandemic or in the throes of a prolonged pandemic strategy and the way it's affecting um, our lifestyle, our sense our employment, our, the way our communities are working, but how our individuals are working. And, you know, Shahan, um, I, I'm blown away by how quickly you have been able to train, get your programs up, 
um, I know that you no longer have a corporate wage, right, that, that you have. So there's more to how you've gone about doing this than you've actually said right now. So I'm going to press you for a little bit about yeah. when I said to you, you know, what is it that gets you out of bed each or puts a smile on your face? I'm now going to say to you, what is it that you absolutely love about what you're doing now in the last four years compared to your previous roles within corporates? Yeah. What is it that you really love? What is it? Yeah. So, um, so don't get me wrong. I loved being in the corporate sector, right? I, I, I'm a go-getter, you know. I don't mind working 18 hours a day, you know. I love that adrenaline rush, you know, the fact that you get, especially as FMCG marketer, you know, you get plenty of accolades. If your brand is performing, you get won awards. Uh, I've gotten plenty of uh, uh, pats on my back from my leaders, you know. And uh, uh, that's great. Uh, and I realized... Uh, when I was young, the way I defined success uh, was by using two parameters, right? And I'm being very honest. Yep. Number one was uh, financial security or financial status. It's about buying that next phone. Uh, it's about buying that next car. It's about buying that next house. So that's how I defined success. That was one of the parameters. The second parameter was um social status. I loved getting that next promotion. I love the fact that people know me as the one, the man who's behind this brand. You know, I, yeah. I love it. I love when, I, when com I'm coming from a small island nation. I belong to a middle class family, right? Uh, so uh, uh, when uh, people see me as you know, I, I got to travel business class. I got to travel to so many other countries. I had enough and more money. I, I've climbed uh, the Giza Pyramid. I've been inside the King's Chamber. I've gone to Kyoto. I've, I've practiced with the samurai. You know, I, I've done it all. So that social status uh, was a big deal for me. Uh, but later on in life, I realized that the next promotion, the next car, the next brand new phone wasn't wasn't fulfilling enough mm -hmm. right? deep down there was something missing and then i realized the parameters for success that i had set maybe it was social conditioning who knows uh, were actually way off so i changed the parameters uh, so instead of financial and social status i chose impact to society, right? social impact. That was one of the main parameters. The second one was uh, uh, self-fulfillment. So I, every action yeah. I do, I see whether, whether I get big tick marks for these two. Is there, is there a social impact? Am I truly impacting humanity? Second one is, it could be impacting humanity, but if I'm feeling miserable, that's not for me. So uh, self-fulfillment, so genuine uh, inner joy. So, uh, uh -huh. so this is what brings a smile to my face because I know deep down every action I take, even this conversation that we are having, it brings a smile to my face because I know someone who's listening out there, one of our audience members might be able to reach that one billion way before me. Right? And I've been a little catalyst. So I've done my part. So instead of reaching 1 billion, I'm reaching now 2 billion. 
so so this is what brings joy to me yeah the it's it's interesting though that the I, I i gather and correct me if i'm wrong the catalyst for the change was your colleague and her daughter the, the accident uh yeah. yes that was so uh it took me a good 10 years so every 6 months i would have a crisis of faith like i i would ah. i would speak to my mentors i would speak to my bosses and i would say you know what i'm not deep down there's something missing you know i'm not truly fulfilled it's true i got the next promotion it's true that the brand is performing well um, yeah. there's something missing uh and i remember some years back uh i spoke to my girlfriend back then and i said you know what i feel like quitting my role you know i i feel i was meant to do something something better with my life and she would say are you mad go back to work <laughs> <laughs> so 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 uh, yes it it's true that uh my colleague um colleague's daughters you know accident yeah. and she survived my, but mind you she survived and and according to the doctors it was a miracle that's what they said because there was internal bleeding bleeding but uh, she somehow survived uh so uh, for me it was the last straw so to say right that broke yeah. the camel's back that broke okay. my 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 ego so to say you know it was it's always about us right your financial security your uh, financial freedom it's about uh, what other people are going to think if you were to leave uh, a corporate role a fancy corporate title you know yes so so i think that was the last straw where i realized you know human life is limited we do have this misconception that we are going to live for 80 90 100 120 years that's actually a misconception uh so i did some research and i realized that every day 150000 people die which means 4.5 million people die in a month so care you and i and the listeners yep. we are extremely lucky very lucky, lucky. Yes. so yes. which means it's your duty as a as a human being right you've been given an opportunity that 4.5 million people this month didn't get so so we yeah. have to ask ourselves you know what am i doing you know i'm not saying don't have a family don't build a house buy a car buy the fanciest phone but beyond that how are you contributing to society to humanity i think that's the deep rooted question that we all need to ask and at the moment people are really searching they they they're looking for things that are outside the status quo um the way that we've done and no there's no better time at the moment then to really look at and start to agitate disrupt um the way we've already done things so that we can appreciate and be grateful for our our storyline our 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 who would have thought that our genetics lead us to a place where we are alive that we we have um access to a whole lot of um services uh, a way of life that is is very different to millions and millions and millions of others around the world um and so i think thank you for answer, answering that because um you know one of the questions i do ask is you know was there a challenge was there an occasion did something happen that actually was the trigger for what you're doing right now and um you know i 
there, there would be some th certain um, principles that, and values that you live by that you probably have altered since your days in corporate yeah. to now. And so I'm just wondering, what would have been the, yeah. the how, how did you look at discerning yeah. how, where, uh, how you, where you wanted to be now? Yeah. So there are, there are a few principles that I live by. Uh, and uh, like you said, Kerry, it's an evolution, you know. You don't come up with the principles like overnight. I would love to say, you know, I'm so smart, I came up with these principles. Sometimes uh, um, it was through mistakes. Sometimes uh, it was insights that I gathered. I mean, even from, especially from the prison program, which I've conducted for so many years, that was a great learning experience for me. Uh, so here are the three principles or values or, uh, you know, uh, uh, insights that truly transform me or I try to live by. So number one is be and make. So be a practitioner first, then a preacher. Because we, we love to teach, we love to inspire others, uh, but more often than not, we more often than not we don't practice what we preach. So it's something which I learned because I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I love to read, uh, and uh, I, I've been acquiring a lot of knowledge over the years. So I'm passionate about mindfulness, neuroscience, emotional intelligence, and there was a time I used to read about. For, for maybe four or five hours. So I, I had a lot of knowledge in my head, but very little experiential wisdom. Uh -huh. And uh, a teacher once told me, there are enough and more preachers out there in the world, right? There are plenty of P individuals with PhDs. So we don't need more PhDs, <laughs> but we do need people uh, who practice. Like It's almost as if it's very easy to read a book about swimming, and say, oh my gosh, it's so interesting. Mm. You know, I've read a book, or I've, ran, I've wrote a thesis on swimming. Uh, and you can even intellectualize whatever that you've read. That's also great. But if you haven't jumped into the water, and if you haven't even tried swimming for at least five minutes, you don't have a clue about swimming. So I think the yeah. same rule applies to what you and I are passionate about, about emotional intelligence. If you don't practice it at home, <laughs> I can guarantee you are practicing at work, right? Yep. So the same goes to mindfulness. You know, it's so easy for us to say, be in the present moment, be equanimous, yep. uh, don't have aversion towards the things that you don't like, don't have craving towards the things that um, that stimulate your senses. It's so easy to say, but it's very hard to practice. So yeah. that's one thing that I live by. Um, so be and make. Doing it. Doing it. Doing it. Uh, the second one, uh, second one was something which I learned uh, from my friends at the prison. Uh, so uh, at Search Inside Yourself, there's a technique that we teach. It's called SBNRR. So stop, breathe, note, reflect, and respond. So anyone who's interested, you can Google it up. You'll be able to find uh, the the. So when it comes to emotional regulation, we teach this technique. And I was teaching this to a group of prisoners. Some of them are on death row. Some of them 
have been in the prison for like 15 years, 17 years, and most of, most of them have committed murder. Um, and I had just explained the first two steps, stop and breathe. Mm -hmm. So whenever you realize that you're about to get triggered because of X reason or Y reason, first thing that you need to do is to pause. And we call it a sacred pause. Mm -hmm. And the moment I finished explaining these first two steps, a prisoner, you know, stood up and said, I completely agree with you, sir. I completely agree with you. And he said, if I had waited for 10 seconds, I would not be in this prison for 15 wow. years. And I saw everyone else, right? We sit in a circle. We call it a wisdom circle. Uh, every prisoner started nodding. And I thought, my gosh. I mean, I I usually say it's a sacred pause, but that's when I realized it is sacred because people's lives change in seconds, not in minutes or yeah. hours or years. It's seconds. Yeah. It's seconds. So, so I always believe that our lives uh, change in seconds and not minutes. So every single second um, that I have is precious, and I. It's very hard to do, but I, I always have to remind myself because you might not have this conversation ever again. Let's say you're having a chat with your mother or father or your best friend. You know, you might not be alive tomorrow. Or they might not be alive. So mm -hmm. it is. Precious. So the third one is related to uh, the point I just made. Um, and I think I touched upon it earlier. Um, uh, so when in doubt, I always ask this question from myself. I ask, okay, Sahan, if you were to die tomorrow or a week from now or six months from now, would you have any regrets? So uh, that is a very powerful question. Uh, I, I hated that question when I first started it off, but now, you know, I've come to a point where, you know, it's it truly helps me to recenter myself, prioritize what I need to do. So the moment you ask this question, okay, if you were to die tomorrow, do you have any regrets? If you do have any regrets, stop everything that you're doing. Don't sleep, don't eat, finish that off. So, <laughs> <laughs> Work out the regrets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these, are the, these are the three things that came to my mind. Well, one, one, two, and three, it's like ABC, isn't it? Um, it's, it's nice. Can you just go over the acronym that, uh, that you use? So stop, breathe, stop, yes. breathe. S-B-N-R-R, uh, -R, stop, yep. breathe, note, reflect, and respond. Right. Note, reflect, and respond. Because that, I think that is a lovely, that is a really useful uh, little acronym to um, that you could actually make up as a small mantra, uh, yes. and it could it could be as easy as just using the initials um, beside your yep. bedside table. Perhaps it's on the uh, the cover of your phone. It could be a, a post-it note on your on your computer. Yeah, it's um, very worthwhile, and it's it's that that would be very similar to a number of other programs that um, use a, sim a similar technique, and yes. it's around. Yes getting yourself into a space so you don't have the amygdala hijack yep. that yep. that moves you into emotional mode, the narrowing and the pressure that you feel to keep reacting, but it gives you a chance to 
open up and think a little bit more laterally about what your options are. Definitely. Isn't that that telling that one of the prisoners actually said, if I had done that a couple of seconds, I would not have been here for 15 years? Yes, definitely. So that was very powerful. So I remember when I first attended um, SIY, Search Inside Yourself, as a participant, uh-huh. Uh, this practice was uh, very transformative, very powerful, very insightful for me. And uh, I thought maybe it was only me, <laughs> but to see that it even works on like hardcore criminals, you know, they, they, everyone yes. gets it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's quite unfortunate that we don't teach these skills, especially emotional intelligence, mindfulness, to school kids. <laughs> it's so unfortunate that I, I like I'm teaching individuals who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s in a jail. Whereas if we had taught these simple yes. techniques when they were kindergarten kids, you know, yeah. they wouldn't be there. And look, I, I, I do think that the um, the teaching of social and emotional intelligence um, has actually shifted, and I I believe in the last um, say five five maybe 10 years, there is definite pressure from a variety of places to actually include it in curriculum. Um, and over um, over the, pa- the time of the pandemic, um, more and more scenarios are being put forward um, in saying we've got, we have to look at the future of education. And I, I believe there are, there are quite a few progressive schools um, that are teaching this and, and not sort of the regular, they're challenging the regular curriculum that many countries or uh, have teach and have taught for a long time. What we think is important when we're all saying we have to understand ourselves so we can understand others, so we can build our relationships, so we can regard each other with respect. Um, and so learning about ourselves, the neuroscience of us, we are magnificent. We are magnificent beings. And, you know, you want... Uh, every one of us is someone's child, is someone's daughter or son, and deserving, deserving of dignity, of respect, and of opportunity. So how do, how do we do that so that there's there's a level playing field? It's not level at the moment. Um, and so that's the, the importance of work that you do is actually helping to level the field. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in the office, I actually didn't know about the work that was happening uh, in in US and UK, especially. I, I know Australia has uh, come on board as well, where mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, mindfulness. So in I think US and UK, you have organizations like Mindful Schools. You have even um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, who initiated the mindfulness-based stress reduction program at, at Massachusetts Medical School. Uh, you know these small uh, you know, uh, uh, organizations or um, curriculums have now gained uh, some momentum. So, yes. so definitely, uh, I think uh, they are heading in the right direction. And I'm so yeah. glad that's happening uh, because I personally can vouch for what's what's going to go wrong 30 years from now because I meet with individuals who are on death row. So, uh, um, and interestingly, Kerry, I don't think uh, corporate individuals, I mean, considering we have our masters, we have uh, maybe even a PhD, uh, actually 
there is no direct correlation between your education your designation <laughs> uh, the amount of awards that you won and your mental health there's no direct correlation right so if you are not taking that initiative to definitely look after your own mental well being it's going to affect you so i to date i met two ceos who had suicidal tendencies and they're, they're prominent you know yes individuals uh, i met so many senior leaders who said you know i was i've been contemplating suicide so uh, i think the initiatives that we are taking especially at the education level i'm pretty sure during the global leaders thrive program there are plenty of uh, individuals in this space who will speak to us about the work that they are doing uh, i think it's extremely important so not only do we need to look after the adults we have to make sure that uh, our kids don't turn up <laughs> to the adults that we have right now you know yeah yeah it's um it's an interesting place we're in because <clears throat> excuse me there's there's whole, most countries now are going to start to see the repercussions of say being socially isolated during during the pandemic so i know in australia there is a, a concern around uh wellbeing around mental health around um those who um don't have the breadth or the depth of skill to manage because they are living in fear they have been subjected to um isolation in fear as well so domestic violence sexual abuse or a whole whole lot. there's this this there's so much that can lead to choices uh where it it may be that you end up um excuse me that you end up uh in uh in 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 circumstances where you you're not being the the ideal citizen that you want to be um and i'm wondering over the the last couple of years what are some of the hurdles you've faced um in doing now what you what you believe your life work is that contribution to pay forward and to give back at the same time and what what are some of the hurdles apart from the the perceptions of your colleagues that have said are you stark raving mad you've just left a corporate wage and yeah. you know that notion of as, aspiring to be the best um but yeah there there'd have to be some hurdles that you'd face and how you overcame them um because so, you so, you will have a rich network i see do uh so i think the biggest hurdle was um was actually myself you know this fear of failure because i come from the corporate sector i don't want to fail and uh, the moment you have this this little voice in your head that goes sahan that was a stupid mistake you know uh, what are you doing with your life uh yep. <laughs> like you are using your savings to do initiatives that i mean half of the world doesn't even know that uh, uh, that is required and uh, so i i think i was my worst enemy so it took me a good year year and a half to come to terms with uh, uh, uh with myself that to accept uh, to accept the fact that you know if i continue to gauge success based on the parameters that i had set as a 20 year old kid i'll definitely yeah. be a failure right <laughs> so so I, i i told myself i need to grow up you know you either can you, you do you really want to be a catalyst for good do you truly want to transform 
uh, human beings or do you want to be uh, uh, <laughs> a preacher <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you can't have both you can't have both so i think that was for me the biggest hurdle the second one is there's a lot of so social stigma around mental health um there's uh, a lot of stigma around non-profits so that's why resilience within is not a non-profit profit it, it's a private organization that i founded uh, because in sri lanka uh non-profits do have a bad rap you know okay. during the last 30 years it's a cultural uh, cultural uh, yes so so uh so non-profits uh have uh and i think in most countries it is the case especially in developing countries uh they're used non-profits are formed by random individuals to uh uh to uh, what you call launder money. Uh, sometimes oh, they are okay. also involved in other unethical operations. So I'm not talking about UNICEF or WHO, I'm talking about small nonprofits. Small. Mm -hmm. So there is a bit of stigma around that. Uh, and the other thing uh, that I learned was uh, after I left the corporate sector, I started consulting quite a few nonprofits. I realized that um, they end up being. Uh, uh, almost like blackmailed by their funders. <laughs> so the, the the individuals who fund the uh, fund the operation would yes. say, you know what, this is what I believe in. I really don't care about your mission. Do this. Yeah. And I've seen this happen with several organizations that I've helped out. And I thought, you know what, I didn't leave the corporate sector to be someone el else's, you know, guinea pig. Uh, so so that's why. Uh, that, so that's another challenge that I faced because initially I was hoping to form a nonprofit uh, to get funding from um, organizations or individuals. Then I yeah. later realized if you truly want to transform the world, why not you? <laughs> so you need to put your money where your mouth is and do what needs to be done. So uh, those were the main two challenges. That, that that's very. Uh, you've really thought that through and. Um, uh, it could it could be seen in in those cases. It could be seen that the NGO becomes a bully, um, yeah. for, for, forcing you to do uh, go against what you thought were the initial um, beliefs and um, values behind the organisation. So I understand why you you made that a private uh, yeah. um, organisation. Some some great deal of thought. Um, so I'm going to ask you, looking back over the journey over the last four years. Um, hindsight can be a pain in the yeah. bottom, <laughs> to put it politely, or, you know, but would you have done anything differently? Because you talked a little bit about some of the failures, but failure yeah. is failure is how we learn. Yeah. So yeah. would there be yeah. anything that you do differently or would you have another crack at just the same way? So uh, to come to think of it, uh, I think... Uh, I'm extremely lucky to have had the mentors I've had, uh, bosses I've had, parents, you know, uh, friends. Uh, and I'm also lucky to have had faced the challenges I faced. So I come from a country with 30-year-old civil war. We had the tsunami where 35,000 people died within a matter of seconds. Um, yeah. Even before the civil war, we had a communist uprising. Um, so... But I wouldn't change any of it simply because I cherish, as a Sri Lankan, I cherish human life because I know 
you know there was a time when bombs were going off in public transportation you know i i i i can genuinely say that when my father left the household when i left for school or my sister left for school uh, we never expected all three of us uh, or four of us to come to home you know yeah that yeah. that would be that was real that was real that was, real. That, that was reality yeah that was yeah. reality so when you face such hardship you truly appreciate human life so uh, and, and uh, i think i think humans are anyway resilient but when you face such uh, horrific circumstances circumstances you end up uh, thinking about the fellow man more than yourself because you certainly that ego goes away because the ego uh, is our worst enemy you know it's always about me mine i you know i need to build this i need to buy this i need to own this individual uh, so when you realize okay i might not be here tomorrow let me do what needs to be done for my fellow neighbor for my friend so that's why even to date sri lanka is among the most giving nations in the world we are not a developed country like we are not america or australia or uk but among the top 10 countries in the world giving index sri lanka is number 1 and i believe it's because of all the traumatic experiences that we've faced um and you see the see this with burma as well they've gone yes. through so many hardships and uh, uh they're going through some a lot of hardships now as well but yes. among the world giving index they're number 1 So, I, I thank you for that because I didn't know that. So thank yeah. you for that. And um yeah. it's it's like the internal struggle yeah. gives you a whole new view or lens on the value of human life and 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 care for each other. So it's it's a lovely it's a it's a lovely picture you've just painted. Not lovely, lovely is not the right word. It's a it's a generous it's yeah. a generous and heartfelt picture um that you you've just painted for us and something yeah. that I didn't know didn't know about Sri Lanka. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so to answer your question, no, I wouldn't change anything because uh, <laughs> uh if not for all the hardships that I faced in life, uh, there wouldn't be this sahan, you know. Uh, and that's why uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's why you're passionate about the resilience aspect and the the emotional intelligence because to be able to thrive if we take the the notion of thriving, to be able to thrive when life is going like this and sometimes is like this for such a long yeah. period of time how do you actually find yeah. value in your contributions when it it looks very different to other parts of the world where and, and, and yeah and you're so right uh Kerry so uh another question that i ask myself whenever just see uh, that's that's me no it's no that's good i think we're right we had a little freeze yeah, okay. <laughs> so so uh, so another question that i ask myself whenever i'm i'm thinking about i me mine you know what will happen to me what will happen to me yeah. <laughs> like especially when you look at your bank account yes. what will happen to me or what will happen in the future i ask myself <laughs> what would be of service what would be of service then certainly that is a huge mental shift right so from this very narrow minded yeah. me 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 i i i you go to okay what can i do so so you are empowered a simple question like you know what would be of service uh, can empower you uh, and yes. uh, 
and something which i started doing uh so many years is that every month i donate to a charity right irrespective i might not have much money but i make sure i donate at least 25% to charity right and i donate to charities in us in <laughs> in nepal in india right so and there's a science behind it as well so when you donate help and it doesn't have to be money it could be your time it could be uh, your knowledge sharing this like especially whatever that you're doing right now uh, yes. uh kiri you know that, that's sharing your yes. knowledge you're taking your time right. off. and that actually releases oxytocin so oxytocin is the bonding hormone we talk about empathy we talk about compassion so you don't have to like uh, like uh, you don't have to earn a billion dollars like you don't have to wait till your bill gates or jeff bezos or mark zuckerberg to donate money or to help someone else and it could be helping a colleague out could be yes. your neighbor could be your friend could be your parents right so uh, i think that's something that we all can do you know and there are studies that now show that uh, uh, oxytocin can uh, reverse alzheimer's disease that uh, it can oh. even help individuals who've suffered from cardiovascular diseases like a heart attack for example so and i tell my friends you know it doesn't take too much i mean giving a dollar to a, a person in need uh, versus having open surgery open a heart surgery what would you choose <laughs> right yeah so it's so simple so i think we can do uh, a lot and i, I believe especially the listeners Uh, who are joining are definitely doing it that's why they are joining a podcast of this nature right that's right. so that's right. without inner transformation you'll never see out of transformation you want to change the world change yourself and it starts with us right it does it does and shahan i know that your construction is going to start in about a couple of minutes next or so <laughs> so that is the most beautiful that's the most beautiful place to say to you if anyone is really interested in getting in contact with you yes. what would you what's the best way for them to do that what visit your website your email so over um, to yeah. you to, to let us know yeah so they can definitely uh, write to me so uh, uh, you can write so it's sahan s a h a n at resilience within so that's r w i t h i n .com uh, or you can write ceo uh, ceo at rwithin.com yeah so r stands for resilience within w i t h i n.com fantastic fantastic now shahan you're going to be one of our, our presenters um yep. for the asian series and while i'm talking to you i'm just going to make sure i have uh the date for that which is <laughs> you think I, thank you thank you thank you i just got there what did you say the uh, 30th of march 30, so that's 30th with, march i was, I, was yeah. i knew it was march i was just double checking i yeah. I, was, i did uh, so 30th of march you're going to be on the asia session so yes. listeners if you um you are interested you're able to get a ticket for the one session um but the lineup we've had for Africa for Australia, Africa, India. This week coming up we're going to America. Sensational. Following week will be uh New Zealand, Ireland, then Asia, then the UK. And um 
it's it's just been an absolute joy and I am so looking forward to our, our Asia session on the 30th of March. So I just want to finish up by saying thank you for your time this afternoon. I haven't heard any jackhammers yet. I think we've just made it in time. Um, listeners, please pop on and think about what it is that helps you thrive in your life and work. Global Leaders Thrive is part of the Thriving Matters uh, group. We are looking at how we thrive together, how we share, how we uh, test our beliefs and assumptions around thriving, most importantly around our leadership and what we can do together. If we all step forward together in all the different ways that we can do it, well, then we are actually making the world a better place and we're leaving a world that we will never see but I know that our children and our grandchildren and other generations will thank us for us. So it's up to us to share our thriving techniques for us to find the place that we're, where we can thrive, whether it's our, our life, uh, whether it's the work that we do, whether it's time for a change in doing that. And you've had no better uh, example today than Shahan's example um, of, of the amazing work that he's doing with resilience, with leadership and a generosity, a mindful generosity of heart. And, and wallet, there you go. All right, Shahan, I'm going to say thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure it's been a great conversation so everybody go gently if you want to know more about what I do pop on to carriebenedette.com or Global Leaders Thrive you'll find me on all social media and, and LinkedIn you name it we're having, we're having a, a chance to spread the good news around the world because you are precious those that you love are precious and your thriving matters so go gently Talk to you again. Bye, Shahan. Thank you. I'm Carrie Benedette, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters.